This is a post-Christian podcast. Welcome to the Revolution Church Podcast. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Revolution. In the dark corners of the earth. A.K.A. my apartment. Yes. It is a dark recess, both <laughs> mentally and physically. Good morning. Um, oh, I should probably turn off the air. I don't know if you can hear it through. I don't know. Well, good morning, everybody. And it's great to be here. And it's great to see you all. Uh, a lot going on um, in the world. I've just been dad in it constantly, so I've been pretty busy just being dad and uh, doing all that kind of good stuff. Um, so I want to—I think I'm going to mention two things this morning, and one is um, August has been a really uh, tough month for revolution uh, financially. Um, we just didn't have a lot of finances come in this month, and so what I just wanted to just put this out there is just like, Hey, listen, um, I probably should do this at the end of the show as well too. uh, the end of the sermon, (laughs) I'm going to pass the virtual offering around. (laughs) Um, you know, if you like what we're doing and you appreciate the work that we do and you want to see it continue, um, we could really use your support and you can do that through going to revolutionchurch.com. Um, we usually have the end and beginning of every, every talk. Um, uh, when you listen to the podcast, but for you guys watching online, um, yeah, we just, we could use your support right now. Um, but I know it's tough for everybody. I'm not comfortable asking for money. I'm not going to tell you that you're going to get a Cadillac if you donate. Um, but if you've got PayPal and you're able to make a donation, uh, you can go to revolutionchurch.com and, and make a donation. And we would be great, really grateful, uh, right now because, uh, we could use the help. You know, also, I think we could use, you know, really, we need to probably get some new equipment, new audio equipment, new video equipment. We're using my phone, and I'm using my earphones because my speaker for something is wrong with my phone. So if you guys um, have the chance, you know, and like what we're doing and like to see this expand more, we could really use your uh, support. Um, also, uh, I... I kind of debated on talking about this or not, but, um, we have made a decision, um, to, uh, move revolution to, uh, the Seattle area. Uh, so Washington state, um, me and Caleb are planning on going out to Seattle in the no- in November and we'll of course continue to do services online um, we'll, and do revolution. We'll be looking for a building out there and we are in talks with someone right now about helping take over the Minneapolis congregation of a church plant. Yeah. So it seems like every seven years I move a state uh, to do revolution. Um, not my, always my plan, but, uh, some of my personal family life is playing into this decision as well. And I'll be glad to answer your questions if you have some about that. 
Um, we'll be putting an announcement on Instagram soon as well. Um, and if you're from the Seattle area, um, because it's very expensive, so we won't be living in downtown anywhere. Um, but we'll be looking for places to live and Caleb is going to be looking for roommate and I'm going to be looking for an affordable apartment. Gosh, if I could find a revolution roommate, that would be a godsend. Yeah. That'd be really great. So hold your breath. Hold my breath. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That'll happen. All you got to do is ask, right? <laughs> yeah. Just mm-hmm. ask. Just put it out there. Um, there are three answers that you get to a prayer. Yes, no, or soon. No, right? no, and no. No, 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 no. The Winans? Remember that? I don't remember that. <laughs> They had a song. BB and CC. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so that's, that's, and that's really good news because I'm excited. Um, honestly, Revolution here, I feel like the person we're talking to has been a lifelong Minnesota person. And for me, I honestly felt like I have not really been able to gel with Minneapolis as much, but that's also because I've gone through a really tough time in my personal life. Um, but I feel like this is a new chapter for Revolution, and I'm really, really excited about it. And um, yes, Minnie and Milo will be in Seattle. Um, so um, that's part of the best, biggest part of mm-hmm. the, the move for me is my family. And I've always been one of those people who has always put family before ministry. It's a crazy idea, I know. You know, so I'm not going like God's called me to Seattle. <laughs> I need to be in the rain all the time. <laughs> um, no, but um, but my family is important to me. And I want to be with my family. So there you go. But we were going to need your support. I don't know. I'm even thinking about uh, me and Caleb doing a fundraiser to help with the move and maybe help us get some more equipment so we can continue to do this. Yeah, we'll have the best we can. Merch will be for, for sale. Like we're waiting on the very last step of finalizing we're, online. Yeah, we're getting Revolution merch up on, on online. But yeah, we want to get been a long time, be, but... be more creative and, and have some more stuff and also look for a, for a place to meet. Um, Probably a bar. Somewhere cool. and uh, Or a coffee shop or club. Under a bridge. Somewhere pretty cool. So um, hopefully if COVID will stop COVIDing for us and um, or we'll just make everybody work. Well, that's going to be weird getting set up during COVID, huh? Yeah. yeah that's going to be really weird. So fingers crossed and we'll have some merch going up very soon. It's very old merch. But if we can get this merch out the door... It's not old, it's vintage. It's vintage merch, and then we'll have some... <laughs> some. Uh, I already have some new designs in the work, folks. I'm very excited, too. So, yeah. We need your help. We need your support. We can't do this church without you. And August has been the toughest month, which I get it, because we're all in this like freaking quarantine, COVID nightmare of a life, and trying to make ends meet is really tough. And uh, running a church is not easy. And running a business is not easy. I'm seeing friends who've had to close their businesses and uh, may not be able to start businesses again. So it's really tough. But we could use your support, folks, um, especially for this move, especially for what we're doing. And, um, you know, I mean, the goal is is that eventually we'll we'll be self-sufficient and have Caleb on staff as well. So not to throw everything at you at once. But I just want to be honest to you where we're at right now, and that's where we're at. Oh, my God. I'm so... I'm so anxious right now. You're anxious? I'm so anxious talking about this. Um, oh, my Lord. It's just so much, man. It's a lot. We need your help, Seattle! <laughs> so um, That's a lot. I've kind of moved past anxious into excitement. My chest um, is tense. Because I've had to... 
in, in Minnesota, they have three months that you're not allowed to move uh, out of your apartment without paying a fine. And, of course, I have to take the month that I'm moving out and pay a fine to what? move out. It's a state thing? Yeah, even though I'm a month-to-month rent. Me too. Do I have to pay a fine? I don't know if it's a state oh, thing. It was, right. in my, it was in my – Talk about this off mic. <laughs> yeah, it was in my, my lease agreement, which I did not notice. Oh, that's – right. Yeah. So let's get into the sermon, folks. Let's get into the talk. Um, a lot's, lot's going on in the world right now. A lot of injustice. Um, people are still being murdered and killed. And, um, that's extremely tough. Um, Also, this morning I was on um, the BBC. I, that's where I try to get my news. I feel like American news is often not really balanced um, on either side. It's either one left or completely right. And uh, and also saw this morning, and I don't have the details, but it looks like uh, someone was killed in a riot in uh, Portland. Uh, someone conservative. Uh, one of the Trump protesters was was killed today oh just today um so you know i'm i'm a follower of nonviolence and mlk jr and um and i don't think violence is the answer folks i don't think violence answers violence but i'm not going to tell people how to protest or what to do but i am going to give my advice and my two cents and i honestly don't think this is the way to go and I hope that we are – I hope we can handle this well and handle this better and, uh, you know, without the cost of more lives. This is, this is uh, a, a very hard time, a very hard conflict, a very hard battle uh, right now in this country. Um, so – I'm going to try to jump into this thing. Um, this was a, a kind of a tough talk to put together um, because I w- I've been thinking a lot about uh, unpopular verses. <laughs> and I don't mean in, like just at certain times, like certain sermons, like I probably won't preach this. It's this probably not the best thing to preach right now, you know? Um But today I want to talk a little bit about, you know, I, I wrote down like I had a funny years ago. I had a talk in uh, called Tired, and it was because I had some friends battling it out on uh, on Insta on Twitter, mm. and um, there was some shaming going on, and there was some battles going on, and 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 so I, I i talked about this and it was really strange because i talked about being disappointed with how this this was going uh a friend of mine who was a pastor was just being slammed and and uh and then i talked about how it was being handled online and i've never taped pulled a sermon down i've had sermons pulled down by other churches before because they got uh, you know angry or followers got angry but i've never pulled one down until the, but this one i did pull down because the group, one of the groups, got so angry at me that they just all like got onto my Facebook oh, wow. and, my th- and just started slamming me and slamming me and slamming me. And I was like, "All right, you know, I'm going to take it down." 
if that's if this is causing so many people to be angry and hurt um so it's funny because that was called tired and this one i don't know if i'm going to call it tired but that was the first thing i wrote down was tired and uh wrote next to it not popular concepts and it starts out with the idea of dying to oneself um the idea of you know I die daily, and we hear that. And what does that mean? And I was thinking about Paul and how the Apostle Paul talks about dying with, like, I, I, you know, I no longer live for myself, but I died with Christ. And you know, that seems like a loaded thing to say. Like, you know, I've died with Christ. Mm. It's kind of. Yeah. I'm just. Uh, Humble servant. Yeah. <laughs> or is it kind of almost comparing your suffering? Like, he suffered so hard, and I was there with him, you know? Yeah, and I think he basically is also saying that my identity is not, you know, I'm not clinging to my identity, which I've, I'm pulling from Gal- Galatians, um, the only book of the Bible I've ever read. Um, I'm going to try some new ones today. Um, no, but from Galatians, because... He's basically saying, I'm not, it's, I'm not trying to demand my own way anymore. I, I'm not trying to live with my, my demands anymore. I'm trying to live as Christ. And even Christ did not hold on to his, his ability to claim God, to claim power. Um, Christ gave his life and, and, and gave up that right in a way. And um, in a way, he's not holding on to identity and, and letting go letting go of God in a way. You know, if you kind of look at, if you read, if you take more of the radical reading of, of Paul, of, uh, you know, and the kind of the, uh, see it through a radical theology lens of letting go of God and letting go of ourselves. But, you know, uh, back to Paul again and Jesus, my two faves, um, you know, I don't demand my, you know, love never demands its own way, keeps no record of when it's been wronged. You know, there's some stepping out. It's like we become human in some ways. You know, I think that's what Christianity involved, invites us to is humanity because that's what Jesus kept doing is bringing people into humanity, eating with people, you know, I, eating, you know, with, with notorious sinners and spending time with these people and building intimate relationships with people. And, um, And, 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 and seeing the woman at the well and seeing the woman who is caught in the midst of adultery and seeing the lepers and seeing the tax collectors and seeing them, you know, really seeing them and inviting them into humanity. And so it's like we have this thing of humanity, but then at the same time Christ says, you know, I want you to love your neighbor. And then they go, well, who's my neighbor? And then goes um, – tells the story of the Good Samaritan. And all of a sudden like, you want me to love my enemies too and you want me to forgive people? And yeah, I forgive them seven times, 77 or whatever. You know, and it's like this, 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 this ask. It's a hard ask. Um, and I think that hard ask has to do with us saying, can we die to ourselves sometimes when we want to keep a record of when we've been wronged? And um, can we die to ourselves uh, in certain aspects of demanding our own way? And I'm not saying everyone's way. I'm saying, like, you know, there's certain things in my life that, you know, I need to sacrifice for others, you know, like protesting. I'm not saying don't protest. I'm saying protest. You know, I'm not saying we don't demand equality. I think that's part of what we're supposed to do because I think that's obviously an obvious statement of love for all people, equality. 
Um, you know, but how do we do that? And, and what does that look like to, to, to die to oneself? You know, to me, I always thought it was like, oh, well, I don't lust and I don't smoke and I don't mm. drink and I don't do that, you know. And, die and to I, your fleshly desires. Yeah, like I always thought it was about the flesh and not so much about. That's about, that's kind of bleeds into the thinking that the material world is evil. The whole, right. the uh, Gnostic, isn't that Gnosticism? I think yeah, so. And I don't believe. Anything material and is I evil. Don't, and I say I believe everything is, if God is there, everything is of God. I don't mm. do the separate, like thing so for me i think it's the idea of living a life of justice you know but also living a life of grace as well is that that restoration of our enemy is always part of our justice system and i think maybe that's that where of dying to oneself is learning to let go of of mm. resentments and angers and hurts which eventually you end up loving your neighbor as yourself is when you're able to forgive others, it really does something for you. You know, it's like when you're, what does it say? When you hate somebody, it's like drinking poison and expecting them to mm, die. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and uh, I think we often do that. So I've, I've found that forgiveness is a continuous state for me because sometimes I'll forgive someone and then all of a sudden those old, old nature, the old habits, the old dynamic that may have been built through that relationship kind of comes back. And, um, you know, I take things I've learned in therapy and, and back up a little bit and take time to myself and, 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 and look how I'm thinking and try to have to remind myself of like, okay, I've, I've grown in this area and I have to remember in this relationship, even though it might be an old relationship is that I have to be who, who I am and, and, and continue the, the progress that I've made and not slip back into these types of, uh, types of old habits uh the old playing my role in this relationship i have to learn to to be the new role to be the person i am now and uh that that can be tough you know it can be tough to do that um but that's how i have to do in order not to keep resentments because i used to always be afraid of confrontation in a lot of relationships Mm -hmm. and and so I would avoid conflict. Mm-hmm. And, and that hurt me more because I ended up not being me. I ended up trying to be something else for other people and to create something else. And so I had to die to that idea of being a people pleaser, of trying to, to be happy or trying to avoid conflict and realize that conflict is a part of life and that if someone's angry at you, what do you do with that? You just kind of learn to live with it. You learn to accept like, okay, they're angry with me. We don't agree on this. And I've, I've through kind of learned to accept those things and be like, you know, this is who I am. This is who they are. And maybe we can get through this. Anyway, that's <clears throat> my two cents without going completely on a ramble. But sometimes we can figure this stuff out through more of the during afterglow than I do in my own talks. So Luke... In the Gospel of Luke, um, nine twenty-three. It's kind of like Galatians, but before <laughs> Luke. <laughs> it's like in the Bible, kind of like Galatians. Yeah, just just it's one of these books. Nine uh, twenty-three. Then he said to them, "If anyone wants to become my followers, this is Jesus." He said, "Let them deny themselves." And take up their cross daily and follow me. Those who want to save their lives will lose it. And those who lose their lives for me 
and those who lose their lives for my sake will save it. What does it profit them if they gain the whole world but lose or forfeit themselves? And I think this is what we see when people take stands and take controversial stands and stand up for, you know, what we're seeing a lot of now. You know, when we see someone kneeling during the, during, you know, uh, the national anthem, you're seeing someone who's, who's taking a stand for themselves, for, 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 I think, for something that's greater than them, something that could hurt them. And, um, yet seeing a greater cause. And I feel like that's what Christ is calling us to is when he says, you know, die to yourself. But this idea of take up your cross. Now you kind of got to wonder, like if the writers of Luke put this in a letter, wrote this, if Jesus actually mm-hmm. said this or not, because mm-hmm. <laughs> he hasn't been crucified yet. <laughs> right. And um, I don't know how many people carried their own crosses when they were crucified. I don't Good know if point. that was a normal, mm, that's normal thing. I, I think usually they were probably just taken up and crucified. But yeah. I don't know. I should look into that. That was interesting. Um, but this idea of carrying our own cross, carrying our own burdens, um, suffering with Christ, uh, this 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 concept of 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 what it is to follow Christ, and is is a tough. It's a tough thing, you know. It's tough because we want to put an asterisk by grace. We want to talk about loving our enemies in a particular way. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's funny to see like everybody kind of digs like the love your enemy thing. And then, you know, someone like Jerry Falwell Jr. falls and it's really complicated. It's complicated. And you go like, Ew, what is this? And it's funny because I find like I put up love your enemies during that time and then everybody's all of a sudden theologians, you know, and they're like all of a sudden telling me why. Well, well what this actually means is, well, first you have to do this mm. and then you have to do this, you know, and we start to get these qualifiers mm-hmm. and all these different things. When your I, brother falls, <laughs> first first go to them in secret, then bring it before the church. Yeah, you know, there, there, there's a lot of that going on, and it, which is great, actually. It's great that we're having these discussions, um, you know. But what does that look like? What does restoration look like? What does loving your enemy look like? You know, I mean, I know particularly for my own experience when I saw my family go through their fall mm. and their, you know, disgrace, um, it was really, <clears throat> really uh, tough to see that, you know, all the people who wanted to sit on my parents' couch and be part of their TV show and work for them and, and do things like that. You know, but the, uh, n- not to mention, I mean, they were also hurt by what was going on, but it was hard to see that there was never a restoration process. Like visiting my dad in prison, you know, um, it was easy to notice who didn't come, mm. who didn't visit, mm-hmm. you know. But it's also cool to see who did visit. You know, I remember that there was an Assemblies of God pastor, Phil Shaw, who lived in Minnesota. In Rochester, Minnesota, pastored a church, a Sunday God church there. And he went right away and visited my dad. And then he would pick us up sometimes when we would fly, and sometimes we'd fly into Minneapolis, sometimes we would drive up. But he'd pick us up and take us to see my dad. And when I was working on my dad's trial uh, during that time, he let me live in his home and gave me an office at their church. And I sat there and called preachers and pastors and politicians and every day trying to work on my dad's appeal and trying to shorten my dad's sentence from 45 years to the less sentence. And we did lessen it, but you know, he was an assemblies of God preacher. 
So when I talk about the assemblies of God, I can't say it's all bad. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, there was sure. someone who saw it, you sure. know, but there was a lot of people who didn't show up as well. Mm-hmm. And there wasn't a lot of restoration. Now, my dad's out preaching and doing everything he's doing, but it was this kind of thing of watching pastors look at him and go like, do we, do we touch him? Is he too hot to touch? Or if we touch him, will we mm-hmm. be the first ones? Yeah. And maybe this will look good for us. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I could see the, like, the, the, the play in their heads and right. how they did it. Um, you know, they just real quickly, they, they, you kind of build the framework that enables that drastic of a fall from grace by cultivating this idea that like once you arrive as a Christian, you've arrived, and right. it would be so shocking for you to stumble at all, you know, yeah. in, in Christian terms. Well, and that's what I mean when we preach legalism and things yeah, like that. Yeah, and I think it almost relates to the taking up your cross thing. It's like, it, it is a practice. You're saying it's so hard because it's a practice. It's a daily practice. Like, that's why Christianity yeah. is a practice is because it's a daily renewal. It's a daily dying to self. Like, and if, and, and I, I used to hear in youth groups all the time, people like youth pastors say like, I used to, I'll be honest with you guys, I used to be addicted to porn. I used to have a porn problem, but I'm over it now. And you never talk about the sin until it's over, yeah. until it's cured, until it's fixed. You can't be sick in the hospital. You know what I mean? Right. In, in the church, you have to be well, or you have to go take care of it and then come back. Yeah. You know, you can't come back into the fold until you're clean again. Did you go through the, clean, the, the ancient cleansing rituals? You know, yeah, you can't be dirty in the temple kind of thing. You can't be sick in the hospital. Yeah. And especially preachers. And especially preachers we don't agree with, um, it's just easy to let it go, let people go. Mm-hmm. And not to say that they should, you should just dismiss any you know wrongdoings, but well, and I think the problem too is we've got to look at what is what are we what are we angry about? Are we angry about hypocrisy? Are we angry about the particular sin? Are we angry about you know? I yeah. Mean, for me, I mean, with 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 someone like Jerry Falwell Jr., you know, for me, it's more about the fact that he was running a Christian school where any of these kids would have been kicked out for those right. actions mm-hmm. or charged a lot of money. I guess they started fining people because they were losing too many students, you know? Um, but I feel like there's some people out there that might be called, you know, the, you know, when I, when I, when I remember when I first did all my LGBTQ work, I had a lot of people be like, well, you don't have a, you know, you don't have a, a dog in this fight, you know, they would say stuff like that. And I often wonder if maybe as, as Christians, when we see a fall like that and we don't have a dog in the fight, is it, you know, maybe it, it could be us that takes up our cross and, and goes and identifies with this mm. person and tries to help restore this mm-hmm. person. Um, because really <laughs> we're all angry and we're all shocked and we're there. And then we're just like, okay, they're gone. They're done. And yeah. we don't think about it, but it's like, you know, that's why it says how beautiful are the feet that, that carry the good news. good news, you know, the good news just isn't, Hey, guess what? He has risen. You know I mean? We act like that's the good news, but the good news is that you're forgiven. You're loved. You are accepted by that greater than yourself. I mean, that's the good news, you know? Mm-hmm. And do we really carry that good news, um, to our own? And I remember hearing when I was, a, you know, a teenager, I heard this all the time is that the church is the only army that sh- kills its wounds. Right. Yeah. You know, that's a very pointed and, point. Um, I saw that growing up so much, man. And people in different denominations think, well, I can't do anything because I'm not a part of that denomination, you know, but I think about how many ordained ministers could have just gone and visited my dad. You know, I can go visit anybody in prison being ordained, you know, if I, sometimes they'll even let me come visit people in jail during non-visiting hours because of my, my credentials. So, you know, this idea is, is 
you know, are we, are we, are, when we accuse others of hypocrisy, are we ourselves being hypocrites when we mm. just jump on the accusation and the judgmental train and mm. don't become part of the, you know, in the gossip train and wow. don't become part of the, the, uh, the restoration and the forgiveness part, you know, are we doing that? And, um, <clears throat> You know, well, what about the victims? You're right. So are we doing anything about the victims? Because I hear that all the time, you know, like, well, they hurt a lot of people. Okay, well, are we doing anything to reach those people who've been hurt? Mm-hmm. Are we are we playing a part of that as well? You know, it's like, it, it's hard to be a peacemaker, you know. Um, blessed is a peacemaker. Well, the peacemaker does, you know, if a peacemaker comes in and there's two people in conflict, the peacemaker doesn't just go sit and talk to the one person. And then say, well, I'll create peace by talking to you. Mm. And then, you know, then they'll automatically follow along. No, he has to, or he Mm. or she, they have to sit down with both parties Mm -hmm. at war. Mm -hmm. Um, Look at Jimmy Carter. (laughs) You know, he goes in and he sits with people in conflict Mm. and sits down with both parties and communicates with both parties in order to try to bring healing or peace or even compromise mm-hmm. to that conflict it just serves as a translator both ways really right so that's the thing is i think often we just you know we in 2020 are very focused on on the victim and i think that's great and i think it's amazing but i think as christians um as people if we want to fo- say i'm a follower of jesus it's even hard to say Christian, but if we're followers of Jesus, then I think the road leads both ways of saying, you know, the victim and the victimizer, we have to figure out how to do that. Um, and I think why that's important is if you look in the, you know, who we have in order to change laws, often we have to have, you know, conversation with those who put those unjust laws in. And we have to point out to them why these laws are unjust. If we want to make a change, we have to go to the system and try to change that system. And so often the system is the one who's victimizing us. And so if we can see that in a human form of saying, all right, this person is victimizing them because we should not expect the victim to have to be the one who's the creator of peace, not until there's healing. You know, that's why we talk about grace at afar, a grace from afar, because you know, so someone has to come in and be a peacemaker. And so I think that can often be a part of picking up your cross. It's also not very popular because if you love your enemy's enemy, uh, you start to realize that people don't like that. You know, if you love people who are hurting other people, people don't like that because they think you agreeing with them. You know, um, they think that you're taking sides and often it's not agreeing with them. It's saying, no, I'm trying to disagree with them well. And someone needs to, to stop this, you know. And by stop this, it's not just going to be by them losing their job, you know, because it might end there in that level. But is it going to end at the basic level of friendship in their relationships? And, you know, is this a toxicity that runs through life? through their life and is are we able to you know we talk a lot about toxic relationships and how we heal from toxic relationships but how do we heal those people who are as toxic as well and i think that's the great thing that the bible gives and i think that's the great idea of loving your enemies is is it saying 
you know, it's not just us, 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 us. It's also them. And I think that's, you know, I think we've become so focused on, you know, self. We've become so focused on, you know, me time and self-care and things like that. And I think those are all great. And I think what we should do is allow other people to have self-care when we don't, if we don't need it to come in and help say, you know, how can we help you get some self-care? You don't need to confront this. You don't need to fight this fight. Let me come in and help, you know, and matter of fact, let's, let's maybe talk to the person who's, who's, who's doing the victimizing and maybe help them and maybe cause them. So there's not more victims, Mm. you know, I mean, that's why we put serial killers in prison forever is because you know we're keeping them from killing other people you know we want to stop them um unfortunately the prison system is probably not the best example for for helping fix those people no um you know not ours anyway yeah it'd be great if it was and and um you know scandinavia is pretty good at that stuff we could get into like you know the impossibilities of working with people who are who are uh that's the word I'm looking for. Um, unrehabilitatable? Yeah, but um, like narcissists. You know, people say oh. Like, like, oh, they're a narcissist. And that's a word we throw around a lot, but don't realize that it's an actual medical condition and that someone suffers from narcissism. Um, then they are actually probably almost, it's almost impossible for them to change. Uh, just like someone, if someone's a psychopath, you know, like they're kind of stuck in that. There's not a whole lot of, they're wired. There's, they're wired in a way that's almost unrehabilitatable. Um, there's certain little small things you can do to help change and think, but some of them people lack empathy. And the strange thing about this is, is, is with like a psychopath or with like someone who's a narcissist, often they're not born that way, but they become that way by uh-huh. ways they're treated and raised and grown mm-hmm. by things that they experienced growing up. Mm-hmm. So they actually are victims of this, this ab- inability to feel what others feel or to feel certain things. And so they end up going to drastic measures and causing people to be hurt. That's wild. Um, so it's really complicated, you know, and I just see everybody throwing around that term all the time, you know, and, Oh, they're a narcissist, you know, and I'm going like, well, if they're really a narcissist, then it's, this is a really hor- horrible thing, you know, and uh, narcissists probably shouldn't be pastors. Um, you know, but as a church, we should figure out ways to, to reach those people as well. Anyway, so, yeah, <clears throat> taking up your cross. And Matthew 5, uh, 39, where we'll spend most of our time. Oh, I don't even want to s- s- go here today, to be honest with you. Matthew. Yeah, I don't want to go to Matthew 539 today. Um, But we're going to take a quick look at it. And it says, um, I'm going to start at 38. Um, We're on the Beatitudes. You have heard it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist an evildoer. But if anyone strikes you on the right cheek, turn the other also. And if anyone wants to sue you and takes your coat, give them your cloak as well. 
and we talk a lot about the Beatitudes as well. I, I see a lot of people be like, well, they don't understand the Beatitudes, and they don't listen to the Sermon on the Mount, and they don't do this, you know, and especially a lot of uh, my fellow progressives and, and, and left thinkers as I am. And uh, we talk a lot about the Beatitudes, about people not, you know, working with the poor, not doing this stuff. Um, but often we're fighters, and it makes it a little bit harder for us to turn the other cheek when we're attacked. Um, and this is almost why I keep coming back to this idea of the peacemaker, someone who's able to come, you know, in after we've turned the other cheek, you know, and, you know, maybe that we're, we intervene as peacemakers in people's lives, you know, because turning the other cheek is a very hard thing to do. And I don't think we can expect people to be slapped around all the time. I think this is what we're seeing with the protests right now and the uprising. You know, these people, people of color have been slapped around by, by law enforcement for a very long time and have been treated differently and have been, been affected by systematic racism. And it's come to the point where it's like, I can't handle this anymore. I can't turn another. I don't have another cheek. All my cheeks are, are taken, you know? And... um and I think that's why we don't realize is like we just expect everybody to arrive and everybody to have the gospel and everybody to be the perfect Christian. Mm-hmm. But the Bible talks about we all play different parts. We're all different parts of the body. And I think for some of us, it might be time for us. And I think we're seeing a lot of this. I think we're, you know one of the things I loved to hear about some of the earlier civil rights leaders have said that they've been really impressed by how diverse these protests have been. Um, is, is the fact that other people are finally coming in and saying, we're going to fight alongside you. Um, and we've got to be up for a fight, but a fight that also solves this problem. You know, we, 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 we've got to eventually feel like, how do we right. create peace in this? You know, how they, they did it in, in, in Northern, Northern Ireland. Ireland. And, um, but it's not easy and it doesn't happen overnight. And, um, and for me, it's often easier for me to turn the other cheek a timer, a hundred, if I'm turning the cheek on behalf of others. Um, if I'm somehow standing by them, with them, um, doing my work with soul force in the early 2000s, um, that work, what I loved about that work was is that I was with them and I was sharing in their suffering. I was sharing within the attack and I was able to take it personal and hand it in a different way. And I was also to defend those who I felt were being attacked, you know, and come in and speak on out of grace and love, but also with, with the amount of knowledge and force and, and, and saying these things have to change. Do you not see what you're doing here? Um, but that's a lot of hard work. It's a lot of hard work to take up our cross. It's a lot of hard work to die to ourselves. It's a lot of hard work to turn the other cheek. Um, the other verse I was going to share is, in, is also in Matthew, and it's Matthew 5.41. And it's basically when Jesus says, if someone asks you to walk a mile, basically meaning a Roman soldier at the time. Um, that's the other thing is people say, well, Jesus, you know, Jesus lived in a different time and we don't get it, but he was living in occupied territory by Rome. And, and these Romans weren't screwing around. I mean, obviously they killed him. Um, but he's talking about Roman soldiers because it was a law that they could ask you to take their pack and carry it a mile, and then you had to do it. And um, Jesus is saying, well, go another mile. And um, 
Pete has a, a talk about like mm-hmm. the church that goes two miles, mm-hmm. you know, and they then make Jesus it a new shows law. up. Yeah, they it make it a law. Four. You have to go two miles, and then Jesus comes and says, "Okay, well then walk four miles." Mm-hmm. You know, um, the idea is is that we don't just go. Okay, well I'll go that one mile. The idea is that we that we're always going the extra mile. We're always going further, and um, and what happens during that? So. Uh, I don't feel like I'm asking you to do something that I, I have not participated myself in. Um, but what I'm encouraging you to do is think about what this means for us is, is if we're talking about self-care, if we're talking about growth, um, then how do we apply these ideals to ourselves? How do we apply the ideals of being willing to walk the extra mile not just with a friend, but with an enemy. And uh, maybe there's a better conversation that happens in the second, third, fourth, or fifth mile. I don't know. Um, But I think these are hard things to look at. But when I see people being killed, literally being killed and killing each other in the streets, um, for something that, needs to change but now it's getting violent is is this is a time for us to come and say okay what can we do can we get in there can we walk an extra mile can we turn the other cheek on the behalf of the other um can we have these hard conversations um are we willing to not write each other off um are we willing to work for maybe a better tomorrow and 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 a better country and a better better quality for our, our African-American brothers and sisters and for our LGBTQ brothers and sisters and for all of our brothers and sisters who are suffering and going through a horrific time. Um, now, all this to say is like, okay, so, you know, take up your cross. It's pretty tough. Dying to yourself, dying to your flesh, dying to your own, you know, not demanding your own. All these things are really tough. Um, a lot of kind of like, maybe some self-denial in there, some self-discipline, um, looking at really what love means, what it really means to be a follower of Christ um, or follower of the way, if you will. Um, but then I wanted to look at Matthew uh, twenty-one twelve, and I don't even have to, to read it to you, but that's where Jesus comes in and clears the temple. Um, so, you know, you hear something like this and then you see Jesus come in and clear the temple. <laughs> and a lot of people are being like, Jesus cleared the temple. I've been hearing, I've been hearing a lot of temple clearing <clears throat> arguments lately of the, you know, well, Jesus, you know, that's the one that people like to go to, you know, and I see both. It's so hilarious how I, you know, how we all like use the Bible often to be our, like just to basically as a law book to, to just basically just mm. justify our behaviors um, says it right here, you know, so, uh, I, I, I've seen right and left use it to, to bite and devour each other. And, and, and that's what drives me crazy. Cause I feel like, you know, if we go by the essence of, of Jesus's message and the essence of even Paulinian message, um, it, it's not own each other. It's not like you're going to own each other, you know? And, and prove each other, you know, prove yourself right. <laughs> Mad diss. You know, like the Bible says, first fruit of the spirit is be right. You know, it doesn't Sick say burns. that. So, um, you know, it's like, it's like, um, you know, so 
anyway, so back to the temple. You know, why was Jesus clearing the temple? You know, it's because there were people in there saying, if you buy our sacrifices, if you use our money changers, if you do these things, it's more holy because it's part of the temple. Basically, like, your doves, your things aren't good enough. And so it became this place of selling sacrifices and selling, you know, money changers and doing these things and people being greedy and figuring out how to make a buck and being like, you know, well, if I tell you this sacrifice is going to make you better with God than your sacrifice, then I'm going to make more money. And it's, it becomes this, this marketplace of, uh, of uh, righteousness <laughs> and uh, levels of righteousness. And that's why Jesus clears the temple because he finds it to be sick and disgusting. And so he, 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 people say he clears the tables and, and, uh, historically when I've looked into it, it looks more like he would probably have been kicking blankets and rugs because <laughs> people were probably selling things in rugs and stuff. I'm guessing there probably wasn't a ton of tables in the, in the, in the marketplace at that time. Um, he gets the whip, the rope whip out and, uh, gets pretty angry. Dun, 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 dun. Um, <laughs> very Indiana Jonesy. And uh, clears the temple, but it, but the idea is is that he's he's fighting a system that is saying we can make you better if you do A, B, or C. You'll be right, better. You'll be you'll be better with God. You'll be more righteous. You'll be cleaner. You'll be you'll be ceremonially cleaner. And Jesus is saying this isn't how it works. And plus, he's about to make those sacrifices irrelevant anyway. And I think Jesus, in his mind, and at that time, knew that sacrifices were irrelevant. That this was humans' concepts of how to please God, and you know, it's, I don't want your sacrifices. Is 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 is, is in that book right there. Um, so, I mean, the sacrifices he wants is us to love each other. That's the sacrifice we want to make. But anyway, so Jesus cleansed the temple. But what I want to say is, there is a time to clean the temple. And right now, when we're seeing our brothers and sisters treated differently in the same way of saying, well, you could be better if you had this sacrifice or if you said this prayer or if you used this money changer or whatever, you know, um, it's the same as saying, well, this person isn't good enough because of the color of their sin or this person isn't good enough because of their sexuality. I mean, there is a time to clear the temple and to make a point and to say this is horrible. There's, I think there's a time to flip tables to make a point. You know, there's a time to be angry. Um and I think there's a just time. Uh, sometimes you have to do that to get people's attentions because in this world we've become so numb. And some people become so numb to even being toxic, you know, um, especially I think politicians and people in leadership is that, you know, it's like, you know, it's like you're speaking to a wall. You know, like, what do you have to do to get through there? And I think sometimes it's required for us to do something extremely radical to grab people's attentions to say, you know, there's something wrong here. The system is broken and the system must be changed. Um, so I'm saying is like, we, 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 we hold on to the temple first, definitely, but we also allow it to be seen through the taking up of our cross, the loving our enemies of ourselves, the dying to ourselves, the turning the other cheek as well. You know, um, what does this say for us is it says that we think better, that we learn, that we, we have better, um, that we, we grow to have better, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, discernment. You know, that you were discerning, you know, what does this moment call for? Uh, yeah. What is this time calling me for? What reaction is best fitted here? Critical thinking and nuance. Yes. So critical thinking and nuance is, I think, part of it because that's part of humanity. And I think that's what it's saying here. Um, so 
I was also thinking uh, of first uh, Peter three and where it says, um, and I think this connects to it is, 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 is when you're asked about Christ, when you're asked, be ready to give an answer, show yourself studied, show yourself in knowledge, show yourself that you, you understand when someone yeah. asks you something to be ready to answer them. And, uh, for me, that's why I always say, like, you know, part of revolution is when someone's at the door, is, is trying to cause people to think well and to, to work in, to work in, to know when to love, to know when to stand up, to know when to say things, to know when to talk, uh, to know when to be silent, um, you know, these are all very important things. Um, and, and knowing when different pe- to get different people involved. Um, but be ready to give a wise answer. And, and for me, sometimes the best answer I can give is being quiet and just listening or not saying anything or not jumping into to, uh, a, a quick judgment and uh, understanding how, how different systems work and, and being a part of that. Um, so sometimes silence is not just not caring. Sometimes silence is that I'm learning and that I'm trying to educate myself. And I think we all need to be able to willing to do that is spend time to think well and to think critically and, um, and know what we're going to say when our enemies ask us questions and to know what to say when people who are hurting answer want questions. Cause the fact is we can't just give one answer. Oh, Jesus. Jesus is the answer. There you go, brother. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's an insult. I'm a biblical Christian. Yeah. So, well, let's look into the old answer book. Um, you know, um, but the fact is, is, is that's why I like reading about psychology, why I like reading about philosophy, why I like reading about theology, and why I like uh, watching documentaries. I like to, to see the nuances of, the, of humanity and the, and the difference in humanity. And, um, and, be able to to face each issue, each problem, each roadblock, uh, with with the knowledge and the wisdom that I need at the time, or not, or be willing to to reach out to someone and say, "Hey, I need your help in this moment and in this time." Um. So for me, for the most part, it seems like we are challenged by Christianity and by these leaders of the way um, to find another way to, of course, take the road less traveled. And so when we talk about the narrow road, I don't think the narrow road is like, you know, oh, man, I can't listen to that new Nine Inch Nails album Um, (laughs) or, you know. I can't, whatever, I can't hold hands with my girlfriend at the, at the school, you know, whatever, you know, it, the idea is, you know, or I can't get drunk tonight. And these are all what rules that would have been at, that are still at Liberty, to be honest with you. So <laughs> call it crazy, but the majority of Christians who are being taught are also being told not to do those things. Um, so, you know, don't drink or chew. Um, so that we, th- we, we think well and that we love well and, and that we are sympathetic and empathetic if possible to others when we are challenged. And we have that challenge to grow in those things. Um, and so that's part of my effort. Um, 
And one of those things that I think requires is love. And the other thing is grace. And I think studying love and grace has given me the ability to see each individual different, to not give a packaged answer, to be willing to say, I don't know, uh, to be willing to point people to therapists rather than me, um, to be willing to take stands and know when I need to be angry and when I need to listen and to know at what level that needs to go. So, um, those are my thoughts today. Um, you know, I know this is kind of more of a fully loaded talk given the circumstances that we are in this country. Um, but these are the things I think about as I, because everybody's so vocal now, especially on social media, which is not a real representative of everyone in the world by any means, but by seeing different leaders and how they react and how they talk to each other and being lucky enough to know, uh, not to tweet all the time (laughs) and, and watch and just see what does this say? What is this doing? What is, what is this producing? And, and to look at that. And, and so to look at my conservative brothers and sisters and see how they're acting and the things that they're saying. And some of them that I really blow my mind with the things that they say, but also looking at my liberal brothers and sisters too, in a critical way, um, loving critical way, but in a critical way of of just, and I mean this in a way, like when I say critical, I mean also finding the really great stuff that they're saying as well and kind of mining it, but also looking at some of the stuff that I see that might be not productive and that might be hurting others, or that might be just two people trying to be the most right or the most legalistic of like this, you know, Mm. this is the way and no, this is the way. And then you start to go like, Oh, you're not a Christian. No, you're not a Christian. You know? And Mm. you just start to go like, what, what what does this change about anything? And and what does that even mean? And what does that even matter? You know, Uh, for some people it means, Oh, you you know, you're going to got to save your soul. And for other people, it means that you follow a different way of life. You know I mean? It means different things to all of us. Um, But how do we learn about that and find out about that? If we can't have, tough conversations, you know, if we can't have conflict, um, you know, I don't want to go to war. I don't think conflict is bad because I think conflict is what happens before you go to war. But if we can have conflict and learn to live in conflict in some ways, at least to a certain extent, to find some sort of of peace or compromise, um, then we don't have to go to war. But unfortunately, now we're all in this place where we just write people off. We go straight to war. If you're not politically correct for my particular type of politics, you're gone. Um, to me, that's not the message of Christianity at all. And uh, so for me to give up on someone, um, humanly, they've got to go pretty far. Um, but biblically, you know, what is far enough when I give up on someone? And, and what do I do with Paul telling me to never give up and never lose hope and always be faithful? Um, you know, what I do is I learn to have people like Caleb around and Zoe and other folks in my life, Peter and, you know, um, you know, all these different people in my life to say, okay, I'm going to turn this over to you because I don't know if I can handle this anymore. Or, hey, can I throw this off of you to see where you at? Because I don't know if this is healthy for me and if I'm going to be able to even handle this. And, and that's a good thing to know, to have those boundaries because the boundary is saying, I don't know if I can really love this person anymore because they're really hitting a lot of places that hurt me and make me angry 
and make me feel insecure and make me feel less than a human being. So is there something that you can do to help me with this situation is maybe you could write the letter or maybe you could have the conversation or maybe you could just tell me to shut the hell up and move away and just pray. And I don't pray very much, but I would take that for an answer if I realize that my involvement with someone is doing more to hurt them and hurt me. So I'm not saying like we go in and we just get ourselves all screwed up by loving others. No, I'm saying that we do have those boundaries and that we do love ourselves because that's another part we forget is love your enemy as yourself or your neighbor as yourself is it also talks about loving yourself, you know, and if you can't, there's a dynamic there, you know, so if I can't, I can't love you if you're making me question everything about myself, being angry and hurt, and then I'm being angry at you and getting defensive and saying things that I won't even mean or saying them out of hurt or saying them out of insecurity or out of fear or out of using some sort of coping mechanism and not really in my own lack in life, um, then I need to step away. I need to step back. And, uh, and that's the great thing about humanity is there's so many different people to go to, you know, and, um, you know, I, I don't give a lot of advice on how to protest or how to do certain things or, you know, tell my African brother, African-American brothers and sisters how to do something. I usually go to an African mother, brother, African-American brother and sister and sit down and go like, this is where I'm at. I'm a pastor. I don't feel comfortable saying this. What do you think? And I know a lot of people are like, oh, that's not their job. Well, you know, I've got people who are my friends, so it's not their job. But as a friends, I go to them. And if they were like, Jay, that's not my job. I'd be like, OK, that's cool. Um but if I'm able to sit down and somebody and, and better understand what I'm saying and that I'm not using my white privilege to dictate everything or that it doesn't at least appear that way because I don't co- come in meaning to do that. And I don't think that's what privilege does. I think privilege sometimes just doesn't recognize it's doing that. So what I want to do in my own life is also recognize that, you know, but I have to go to sometimes to others who see it when I don't see it so clearly. So does that make sense? I mean, it basically it's taking out the idea of like, like sometimes when I preach a sermon, I'll have people come up to me years for this. I've had people come up to me when you preach a sermon and go, what about this? Well, what about repentance? Or what about this? You know, what about A, B, or C, or D? And you go like, man, that was one talk. You know, I have done a talk on that, and I think you can find it here, here, or there maybe. Um, but that was just one talk. So that talk wasn't really even talking about that, you know. Um, but seeing people in that way that realize not everybody's going to be perfect in everything. You know, everything's at their perfect job, you know. So... Or, or just like, that's, you know, that's not my calling. You know, that's usually people a way to get out of something. But sometimes it's just not your calling. And you have to be like, let me show you someone who can do this better. You know, when people come to me about marriage counseling, they used to, they don't any much anymore <laughs> since I've been through two. But um, I'd always show them to marriage counselors and they'd be like, oh, well, we wanted you to talk to you. And I'm like, I'm not a marriage counselor. I don't, I'm not a therapist. That's not my job. There's someone who does that job and does it really well. So here you go, you know. Um, check them out. Um, so, you know, knowing your purpose, knowing your call, knowing when you're in your, in your, when you're, when your job as well, you know, you know, Pete's, uh, Pete Rollins is a, uh, you know, is a doctorate in philosophy and, and, you know, and sometimes he acts like he knows it all. So I'll, I'll sometimes just send him like, ask him medical advice, you know, just to give him a hard time. <laughs> and he'd be like, I'm not that kind of doctor. I'm like, Oh, I thought you were, you know, you know, <laughs> I thought you were a doctor, you know, but the idea is, is like, you know, no, I don't go see P if, 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 you know, if I can't get rid of the cough, you know, I go to a medical doctor, you know, if I'm having an existential crisis and want to be pushed over the ledge, then I call Pete. Um, (laughs) (laughs) 
you know, um, and then you just, then you have to realize what kind of different therapist or psychologist or people do I go to? I mean, it's just a constant thing, but there's so many different types of people that help out with different types of things. You don't use your foot to wipe your ass. Yeah. So it's just knowing different parts of the body and realizing you can't do it all. And I think that's often what we see within these mega preachers and these people that they're just, we expect them to do it all. And when they fail, we're shocked, but that's also because sometimes they allow us to think that they can do it all. And none of us can do that. None of us are called to do that. That's why community is important. You know, that's why friendship's important. Um, I think that's why, why the church is supposed to be a part of a community and not the community itself. Because um, sometimes the church could learn a lot from the community. And I've realized, as long as I've been doing revolution as a church, I've learned more from my community and people who never stepped into my church than I ever did in my own church. So that's my word for you today. Um, so I've got to pick up my kids really soon. So we'll try to answer, answer you a few, a few feet, get some feedback, and then I got to go pick up my kids. Cool. I guess we'll just start scrolling back through. We got a lot of a lot of comments. No, no uh, pushback this week. We might have to start planting someone in the audience to disagree yeah. with you because that always makes it more interesting. Um, let's see here. We've got a lot of congrats on the move. That's great. Don't remind me. Yeah, you know, while he's looking stuff up, you know, if you didn't hear before that we, me and Caleb are moving Revolution to Seattle in November, and uh, we'll be making more of announcements on Instagram and on Facebook and on Twitter as well, and uh, feel free to hit us up with questions about that if you want, if you want to know some more of the details. I know people are like, well, what's going on with your family, and what's going on with you guys, and how are you going to handle that, and where's it going to be, you know? We don't have all those questions, but we have a, some of them, and I'm willing to answer them um, here on Facebook or on Twitter or Instagram is really the best place to hit me up. But yeah. So mm. just to let you guys know, if you have questions, um, we do that. And, um, when, just to also iterate is that, you know, August was a really tough month for us financially. And if you love what we're doing or encouraged by what we're doing, if you can give a little bit, you know, revolutionchurch.com, we'd re, we, we could really use it right now. Okay. Good vamping. Thank you. Yeah. Um, Oh, this is interesting. Ray says the interactivity from Caleb during the sermon, which has developed over the lockdown online services, is most definitely a good development. Really? Oh, that's well, interesting. See, I was thinking maybe we should edit that. Yeah. <laughs> but you got to give the people what they want, I guess. Uh, <laughs> Rob said that Gnostic dualism in, is discipleship in the cheap seats. It's Ooh, the easy way out. I like that. Easy the way cheap out. cheap seats. So, yeah, just this is all bad. This is all good. <laughs> yeah. Don't you get it? Um, Greg says, good points. When I'm a people pleaser, which is often, I deny the truth. I relate with that. I do too. And Greg's my dad, and so I'm sure he and I have ah. some similar people pleasing tendencies. Uh, Robert says, this is the Galatians, or is this the Galatians part of Luke? Yep. Um, oh, there was one direct question I remember. Let me find it real quick from Joanna. Do you have any advice for someone like me whose righteous anger and heart rate rise up so quickly and intensely that it almost feels impossible to control to be able to calm down enough to actually take effective action without flipping out? One of the things that helps me a lot is this therapy called dialectic behavioral therapy, often called DBT. And what it's done is allowed me to have a better understanding of my emotions and given me tools to in some ways almost control those emotions or I'll not allow those emotions to control me is probably a better way to put it. Cause I, I don't feel like I have complete control over my emotions, their emotions for God's sake. But, um, and, and that's helped a lot. There's a lot of books on dialectic behavioral therapy. You can Google it. Um, 
insurance usually covers it, which I was really surprised. And, and, and luckily enough, I have uh, insurance. So I was able to, to actually go through the act- classes and do the therapy. Uh, it's not a silver bullet. Um, but man, it, it is, is revolutionized my life and helping me deal with, with, with those things. Um, I think, you know, a, a lot of people get a similar stuff from, from meditation. Mm-hmm. I was gonna say pragmatic American Buddhism yeah. is really similar to DBT. So, and, and some of the DBT stuff is actually pulled straight from Buddhism, but that would be my, my advice is, is kind of look up, look that up and, and maybe look into that. Cause it's, it's really helped me to at least have a, Bound and realize when I'm going over those boundaries to pull back. You know what I mean? Like when I realize, like, okay, these tools aren't even working anymore. Like, you know what? It's just time to take a couple days at home. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know, sometimes you got to. Um, Thomas said, "Social media conditions us to speak out without thinking." Good point that sometimes silence is important prior to jumping into a conversation. Totally, and uh, likewise, Andrew, our, our friend Andrew. Uh, said, careful, Jay, actually listening to people instead of talking all the time. Controversial stuff this day and age. <laughs> um, peacemaker work is a tight rope walking. Is tight rope walking, says John. Such a meaningful work, though. Yeah. Yeah. And then, yeah, just lots of... Oh, yeah, and then Joanna said thank you about the advice. Uh, I've been looking for a new therapist for a while, looking to someone who does DBT. Oh! Joanna, nice. that's awesome. That's great. Yeah. yeah, let me know how that goes. Um, you know, so I mean, if you want, you can follow through because I would love to know if you find somebody good because because uh, there are all sorts of different types. And, and remember, one of the things I my therapist just reminded me is I'm because I'm moving is um, when I'm looking for a new DBT therapist. It actually started in Seattle, um, oh. but you know, do you want someone who's more like pushy or more like mm. laid back and let you look whatever you think? You know, and I like somebody who's kind of more of like helps direct me and pushes me a little bit. Um, you know, not completely overbearing, but just kind of a nice, you know, nudge mm. and, or, or we'll point out like, maybe this, yeah, yeah. my, my recent therapist has really done a lot of great stuff that, that she's done for me as she's reminded me of showing me where I've used it oh, and giving good. me a lot of positive affirmation of like, look how you yeah, handled look, this yeah, and I need rem- that. remember how you would have handled that. Mm. And mm-hmm. cause it's hard, and, it's hard to see your own growth. It makes me pat myself on my yeah, back. Yeah, totally. To be honest with you, anybody who's known me over probably five or six years, especially knew me about five years ago, would know that I always thought I was a piece of shit, you know? And, like, Pete used to tell me he hated arguing with me because he'd be like, blah, blah, blah. And I'd be like, you're right. I'm a piece of shit. Uh-huh. I'm wrong. Blah, blah, blah. And he'd be like, you're no fun. He's like, that's my job to tell you you're a piece of shit, not you. Right. And, um, and I don't argue that way anymore. Mm. And I don't, I, don't, I don't accept that anymore. And, 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 and DBT has really played a big part of that. And... Um, I'm grateful for that. Anything else? Uh, that's a, a lot of other similar sentiments, but uh, yeah, no, no well, other direct questions well, or anything. Well, thank you everybody for partaking. Oh, Thomas has a question. Okay. I do have a question, says Thomas. Hello, you Thomas. Jesus thank you for temple was... Was angry at the people or the system or both was the ang- oh, wait, or both. Was the anger performance or felt in the moment? Ooh, I have no idea because I wasn't there, but if I was to take, give an educated guess... Mm-hmm. I would say he was really extremely angry at the system. He probably knew what was going and on. And probably frustrated with the people. And I think that's what, what I mean, I hope to do be, you know, is I, I'm never going to be like, I'm angry at the system, but you guys are cool, you know. Um, I think our frustration with people allows us to try to help have conversation with them. So my guess would be that he's probably was very angry 
at the system and frustrated that the people kept falling into the system. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, he wasn't hurting the people though. No, I don't think he was hurting the people. And I think he also well, probably did under- have that whip. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I don't know if he hit anybody. With the- oh, I don't know how experienced he was with it. Is the problem. <laughs> he could have accidentally, like- I mean, I've been hit with a towel, so I've never been hit with a whip. <laughs> I don't know how much whip carpenters, how much whip training carpenters. <laughs> and rope. I've never been hit with a whip rope whip. Oh yeah. yeah. I have actually been hit it wasn't with a, a cat of nine tails. That's oh, pretty, I have no pretty idea. brutal. I have no idea. I'm just going to guess it was a piece of rope laying on the ground. Maybe it was like a little tiny piece. Oh, uh, that'd be a cool. You know how Jesus, they have like, you know they have like a uh, uh, Abe Lincoln va- vampire hunter type thing. They could have like a, a Jesus movie where he's like, he like rips his robe off in the temple. He has a cat of nine tails yeah, going around kicking everyone's ass with the. Whip. I'm sure the Calvinists would be glad to put that together for yeah. you. Ew! See what I just did there. All right, folks. Um, thanks a lot. We love you guys, and we appreciate you being here. And um, yeah. You know, you say, hey, Jay, we want to help you, but we're not in a financial place to help you right now. Well, honestly, just like retweeting us or sharing our stuff on Instagram or on Facebook and letting people know what we're doing, liking things, um, reposting things, telling people about on what rich we're doing. people's walls. Yeah, it helps. No, I mean, it just helps get the word out there and, and it helps support us, too, is is by getting the word out. Because often I'll see like a lot of people respond to the talks, but they don't respond to like our meet the congregations or they don't respond to that. I mean, even though a lot of people listen, but. I want to see more of that out there. Um, start creating, you know, continue the community growing. Anyway, I'm going to stop talking because I have to go pick up. Jay's asking for the link again. It's revolutionchurch.com. We have the domain, Revolutionchurch.com. We got the domain, baby. Revolutionchurch.com. I've got to go pick up my Quick kids. donate. Love you guys. Bye-bye. We'd like to remind you that our ministry is supported 100% by listeners like you. To make your 100% tax-deductible donation today, please visit revolutionchurch.com slash donate. You can also learn more by clicking the donate section on the website. If you are in Minnesota and you're seeking an ex-religious supportive community, check out Former Fundamentalists on meetup.com or Reclamation Collective, who you can find on both Facebook and Instagram. If you're not in Minnesota, but are looking for a similar support group, check out recovering from religion. They have a lot of resources and can point you in the right direction to a community near you or can give you the resources for you to start a support group in your area. Right now, these groups are probably not meeting in person due to COVID, but get connected now.
other side of town. The band's been drinking, now you tell it from the sound. I'm the first one to party, but the last one to play. If you enjoyed this show, you might also like another post-Christian podcast. Everyone's Autonomous with Marie de la Font. Culture tells me that, you know, just do school and then do work and then do die. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and like that was supposed to be enough. Like the I trusted mm-hmm. my education to give me the most important tools to yes. understand the world and to contribute to the world and honestly engage with the world and be prepared for the world. And I'm coming to the realization that, one, it did not. Mm-hmm. That was a post-Christian podcast. Mm-hmm.